Welcome to the Teach Strong podcast. My name's Sam Hart. I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to help school staff discover truly effective approaches to wellbeing. And this podcast is a platform for me to bring you the knowledge and experience of real experts who can break down the research and the tools that we can apply to our everyday lives to feel happier and healthier. Joining me on the show today is Dr. Joe Oliver. Joe is an associate professor and consultant clinical psychologist who's trained in cognitive behavior therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy. Joe has a wealth of experience working in the NHS, offering therapy sessions, and is the author of several books. He works with a variety of clients to assist people with anxiety, depression, OCD, anger issues, relationship problems, confidence, low self-esteem, trauma, grief and loss, interpersonal issues, stress, and addiction. And he's also completed a PhD in the areas of occupational stress and continues to carry out research in the area of stress, resilience, especially using ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, that is. Now, of course, there are so many areas of well-being that I'd love to talk to Joe about, but today's conversation is focused on resilience. I connected with Joe on Instagram recently, um, where he posts great videos explaining various aspects of psychology. And one video that I particularly liked was one of his videos on resilience. We know this is a word that I think is thrown around a lot in schools and in education. So I wanted to get a real expert on the show to talk about what resilience is, what it isn't, and how we can all build resilience in a healthy, sustainable way. Enjoy the conversation. So hello, Joe, and welcome to the Teach Strong podcast. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, really pleased to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm really um, grateful for you to, for offering your time and coming on the show to talk about a topic that I was really interested in getting an expert on to talk about, which is this word resilience. So straight away, let's get into it. What, what is resilience? What does this word mean? Ah, yeah, good question. Well, I mean, it's a good place to start. Uh, <laughs> So oh, it's a big, big word. Uh, there's a lot packed into it, but you know, at its heart, you could say uh, it's it's about uh, bouncing back after adversity. It's kind of generally what we mean when we talk about uh, uh, resilience. Uh, like, and when there's been some kind of disturbance to the system, you could say that the the system has manages to achieve some sort of equilibrium and come back. And you know, by system, I mean us people. That when we go through adversity and we go through a disturbance, whatever that is, that somehow we manage to regain our sense of uh, equilibrium, which is uh, well-being, uh, uh, back to a sense of psychological health. Uh, so that's the kind of key word, uh, key part of it. Um, I was in- interesting just before I came on. I've got a real sort of thing about etymology, like you know, the origin of words, and you know, mm. what, what different languages and whatnot, and. Different, uh, different you know, languages have different ways of describing it. Like, uh, but a lot of it is about sort of rebound and elasticity. Elasticity is Russian; they have the Russian kind of sound to it. Rebound is uh, Chinese; that, that has that bu- word built into it. Uh, in Spanish, it's about uh, there's, there's different options for different words, but it's about the kind of a defense against adversity, hmm. which is you can sort of hear the sort of the different things, different languages, different groups of people are sort of circling around when we're talking about that idea of resilience, that idea about uh, capacity to bounce back after a tough time. Yeah. And this, well, I'm a primary school teacher, so that little lesson in, in word origin, I really <laughs> appreciate it. Um, right. And then um, 
Yeah, it, thank you for that explanation. And it's something that obviously leading up to this podcast, I was looking more into. And I, I guess I hadn't really thought about the word resilience it, in its, its true sense of, of meaning. I, I think I always thought about it as, as like just a, a, a toughness and that you could just mm. block things. Um, mm. But now, and, and, and your description kind of reaffirms this, I understand that it's about that bouncing back. It's about recovering from some kind of adversity. Um, mm. And I guess that could be, across the board can't it that could be mm. family life work life and all other and many other aspects of life as well it's your just capacity to to bounce back from from adversity is that right yeah t- absolutely yeah it's a really mm. nice point you're sort of talking to because you're building in a bit of a history there of <laughs> of the word uh like in terms of how we have thought about what psychological health is and traditionally to be fair it probably has been a bit sort of stoic we mm. were just sort of like a, a, a rock or a block of steel and nothing kind of can penetrate us uh and, and of course you know we know that's clearly not true, uh, that those people don't exist, uh, or if they do, there's certainly long-term negative repercussions, that sort of psychological approach. Uh, but the, the, it's this, this flexibility, this agility, uh, this, this um, malleability, as you, could, as you could sort of call it, to, to come back, that's the really important piece. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, you're also making a really nice point too about it's just sort of across different domains, and we all have different domains in life. Uh, and another really interesting thing that comes out of it, the research shows that uh, it's not like it, not typically, not always sort of one thing for well, like one rule that fits all places, all domains. Like some people can be incredibly resilient at work. You get them at home and the kids are losing their mind and, you know, can't get them to school in time and socks aren't going on and you're running late and, and, and resilience is out the window. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they don't have the capacity to deal with those, those particular unique, unique stresses. So it's kind of contextual. You find across different scenarios, people have different levels of resilience depending on the kind of variables and factors that are floating around. Yeah, of course, which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And maybe, I don't know, because could your your confidence and your, I don't know, what else in various avenues of life be a factor yeah. there as well, I guess, can't they? So yeah, we've definitely. Kind of mentioned um, what resilience isn't that kind of that stoic look on life or like, oh, I'm just tough and I'm just, everything's going to bounce off me. Um, yeah. But have you got any other thoughts about what resilience isn't? Because it is a word that's... Um, thrown out there a lot in social media, isn't it? And on the internet and in the news, perhaps. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about what resilience isn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, that, we've sort of touched on those couple of points there. Mm. It's probably like it's sort of related to this business of it being a bit domain dependent. And, you know, of course, for some people, it, it of course, stretches out. And uh, you make a, you, what you're saying there about like uh, competency or you're, I think you're referring to our skills mm-hmm. certainly an impact on... Uh, on resilience. So if I'm at work, if I'm really skilled and competent and feel confident, uh, I will have greater resilience to deal with adversity. I feel I have a sense of self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. If when it comes to getting this, this kids uh, ready to go to school, and I, it's, it's like it's you know, 10, 10.30 in the morning, it's pretty current for me right now, having just gone through a fairly rocky getting them to school time. <laughs> if my confidence is low and I don't feel I'm particularly good at getting socks on and shoes on and helping the kids out, and I just don't have any techniques, then my resilience for anything that comes up is going to be uh, is going to be a lot lower. So there's a kind of there's a thing that it's it's not a sort of a, it's much less of a this static global personality trait that perhaps mm. once we thought it was, uh, and you know the personality research is you know as we seek to try to find you know what are the kind of key personality domains you know, it turns out there's, there's a lot more flux and variability in, for personality and indeed resilience the same kind of thing so 
know, some people have referred it to, to it more rather than the static tray uh, that we've often thought of it, or it's fixed or it's global, that's probably more reflective of a process. Resilience operates as a process by which a whole lot of things kind of come into play. Mm. Uh, experience, our confidence, self-efficacy, our history, uh, the kind of contextual variables that, that flow in those moments and how we apply ourselves in those moments, uh, which I, I don't know, when I think about uh, something that's global and static, there's a simplicity to that. Mm. And if I'm honest, my mind is, likes that. It's like, I can understand of that. Course. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is easy to understand. Sam's a resilient person. He's a resilient across all situations. I'm not. But then, you know, when we think about things more and how, what we know of people, unsurprisingly, it turns out it's pretty complex uh, mm. and it's hard just to kind of put a pin in it. So, mm. yeah, th those are probably the, the things now that the research is slowly gathering around and coalescing around in terms of what it is rather than what it's not. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, does this all link to neuroplasticity as well? This is something I'm fascinated by and, and trying to read more about at the moment mm. and listen to podcasts and watch the documentaries and things like that. Um, yeah. Just that idea that, yeah, we, I mean, I guess in the past we used to think that our personality and, and certain traits were fixed and that was it and that was our lot in mm. life and we would stick with it. And yeah, I just love talking about this and getting that message out there, an empowering mm. message of you've got control over this and you can develop this skill and, and you can learn and you can improve. And one aspect, yeah. I suppose, is resilience, isn't it? We can work on our resilience yeah. and we can improve it in all aspects of life. Am I right in yeah. thinking that or is that just a dream? <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally on board with that. I'm on board with it because that's that's where the science is, is, is saying. Yeah. That's kind of what it's pointed towards. And it's also a very, very pragmatic message, right? Mm -hmm. Like pragmatic by mean that... Uh, that we can do something with that. Uh, it's a far less uh, a far less pragmatic message would be it's static, it's global, and, and that's it. I mean, if that's if that were true, fine. You know, we we work with it and kind of figure our way through it. But uh, the pragmatism that comes from from the realization that it is flexible and plastic, and there's neuroplasticity that affects variables, allows us to be yeah. Um, uh, uh, I can't remember what the word you used, but I, I sort of rang in my ears as ho uh, hopeful and optimistic. Mm. Uh, and empowering was the word you used. And yeah. that's great. Uh, like talking with people in all sorts of contexts to say, yes, you can learn this. This is a skill. Uh, this is a, a set of skills you can learn, or this is a, this is a, a context that we can craft together to create. Uh, that's a, a really, really helpful and useful thing. Because, uh, you know, when people get that idea, it's global, it's like, ah, oh, I just give up. I just, you know, like you say, it's my lot in life. There's nothing I can do about this. Yeah, true. And so, I guess we'll, we will start to shortly talk about that building of resilience and how we might go about it. Um, but there was one other thing I wanted to ask before we get, got into that, and that was the, the kind of balance. Um, because I guess there's this balance in there between pushing through difficult situations and, um, I don't know, being resilient and recovering really quickly, um, yeah. but also you know, just, just continue on a, continue on a path that will maybe eventually lead to burnout as in the mm. kind of, um, I don't know, a, a mentality of, well, I'm going to be really resilient. So yeah, that was really tough, but I'm going to pick myself up and go again. And something else happens. Mm. I'll pick myself up, go again, go again, go again. So mm -hmm. have you got any thoughts about that, that balance? How, how do we get that balance right between being kind of, I don't know, is, 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 uh, healthy resilience? Is that a phrase? Um, mm -hmm. as opposed to unhealthy resilience where you just keep picking yourself up and going again and going again when actually that's perhaps not serving you. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's a, it's an important topic because it's there's a bit of a danger with the idea of resilience, and the danger comes from a few places. Because you're right, like the a, a sort of persistence in adversity can be end up being toxic uh, and have long term repercussions, which kind of comes from that idea, like you know, I'm tough, I'm strong, I, I need to persist. And to be fair, there's probably our society can really value that. Mm. Uh, we, we we see that as a really a good quality. Uh, and uh, that's that's something to aspire to, uh, you know, within, I don't know, for example, you know, sporting context, right, uh, or corporate contexts or competitive contexts. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, but just knowing that that's there, that's, so there's aspiration to, to push people in that direction uh, can mean that people then don't keep an eye out for the, for the, for the, what they need on their, their readout to say, hey, slow down, adapt, change, be flexible. There's a really interesting piece of research uh, that looked at adolescents and, uh, and measured adolescents who are particularly resilient and like, ah, oh, great, these are kids are great uh, and dealing with adversity. Um, and the, the, so all the follow-up to that was it showed that those kids were much more likely to experience a range of other negative outcomes down the track. And the kind of idea was that uh, the sort of the theory was that they were the kids probably who were less likely to adapt and change, or they just persisted, or had lots of positive feedback. You know, you're doing really well, and then there was a price to pay for that uh, mm. uh, further down, uh, and they didn't really experience that bounce back uh, that we'd be looking for from really healthy resilience. So there's the kind of danger with things. So uh, or the risk, as, as it were, we, we want about a create this healthy level of, of resilience. So it's not just grit and just like write it out, but that uh, agility that comes from kind of coming back to a normal level. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I've been thinking about more and more recently and the kind of, I guess, the uh, the, the masculine side of it as, as well. Indeed. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, explain what I mean by that. But there, there is... You know, there are certain people on social media, you know, podcast hosts as well, that talk a lot about this. And there's something about it that that appeals to me. You know, that mm-hmm. that masculine strength and and being there and and not going too far down that other end of the spectrum where, mm-hmm. um, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, just that other end of the spectrum where, like, if things get tough, then then. I don't know that then that means my mental health is really suffering and I need to take a break. And that's really hard as opposed to like, there is, there, there must be, there are some elements of life, aren't there, where there, we need a bit of grit and perseverance and we need to pick ourselves back up. So I I don't know if I'm just kind of laboring the point there, but is there something about, I mean, you mentioned that study that talked about adolescence, was it, but Mm -hmm. was it just, was it just males or was it males and females? Oh, good question. Uh, I don't know that, but um, okay. But yeah. you know, my my guess would be that if you were going to divide the groups up, I would say that it would be males that be more uh, susceptible to that that uh, that effect for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things, isn't there? I mean, there's yeah. lots of sort of ideas that you know. I feel like that the label of a snowflake is particularly problematic at the moment yeah. because it doesn't really allow for that flexibility or agility. It's like tough it out, and if you if you express any kind of like uh, this is not okay for me, I don't like this, I can't handle this, then it's sort of seen as a really, really negative thing. And that feels really unproductive to my yeah. mind. But although, like also you say, balanced with that, you're right that there is a sort of sense that we do need grit and determination. That is a really important, they're really important psychological characteristics. Uh, but they need to be balanced and added in uh, with extra things. And this applies, 
you know, across the board. So, mm-hmm. for example, if with high-performance athletes, you need grit and determination. But if you're going to have a career in athletics or as a as an athlete or as a sports person, you can't just be it can't be just grit, determination, and resilience. You need those extra things so you can deal with setbacks, you can deal with failure, you can deal with uh, you know, emotional and physical injuries because that happens in a career, right? That has to happen. Yeah. So, if you're going to go into the long term, you need another set of skills. You can't just, you know, when you face failure or a long-term injury, what do you do? You can't just grit your way through that. You need to be emotionally agile uh, to to handle that. You need to be uh, have skills to manage all the identity, self-concept stuff that comes up. You need to be able to skillfully manage all the negative thoughts that come up, the big emotional mm-hmm. feelings, uh, so that, you know, it can persist. And so there's a different kind of grit that's applied. So there's both the grit, like, you know, in, in really difficult, uh, short-term situations, you know, I apply, I buckle down, I, you know, hold out, I push, but also the kind of grit that allows me to weather the storm and uh, continue in the longer term and be kind to myself, reassuring, encouraging, uh, so that I can persist and continue for the longer term. So those things are really important. So I don't know, I feel like, um, you know, we're getting more nuanced in our understanding of personality. Yeah. So not like grit, resilience, determination. It's like, yes, but this the application of those things also mm. becomes really super important. Yeah. And I guess always thinking that 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 healthy resilience that you talked about and how it, it yeah, is this impacting negatively on my long-term health, my psychological health, and I don't know, even yeah. the people around me, if I'm just go, 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 go all the time. Oh, it's really Absolutely. tricky. But I like the analogy of uh, sports people. I, I always appreciate a, um, a bit of a comparison in, in the in this sports world. So I like that one, and that's really interesting to think about, isn't it? Yeah, you, the the athlete that's kind of that no pain, no gain mentality. I'll just keep going, yeah. and I've got an injury, but no, no, I've got yeah. a race in a few weeks, so I just need to pick myself up and keep going. Whereas, yeah, you you might make the start line of that race and perform, yeah. but then what happens? three, six, 12 months down the line. It's Absolutely. so, it's complex, yeah. isn't it? It's just so yeah. complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it reminds me like uh, I, I work, I, so I'm a, I'm a psychologist and so yeah. I do a whole bunch of things, but I also have an individual practice, right? I see people individually and I see all sorts of types and I don't know, it's all psychologists sort of have subtypes that kind of come to them, different groups of people and for whatever reason, occasionally I sort of end up seeing it's a particular type of person who's often been like, you know, kind of toward, in the twilight of their career. Uh, have been like they've you know excelled, uh, been you know I don't know a CEO or uh, you know it, some kind of stellar career, um, and they will come and just with with all sorts of uh, I don't know a constellation of issues that come up. But typically, the kind of the, the if there was a, a, an issue that was at the heart of it, what it always is is just inability to adapt, uh, mm. and you know adapt to a new stage in their career and of course their life. Which is, you know, things are slowing down. They're, they're becoming a little less important in their in their job. Uh, other people are coming up who are doing things better than they are, yeah. and they really struggle. This particular group can really struggle to adapt to that. So there's a nice example in another way of, of there's a different form of resilience uh, to get you uh, that, that's needed. So that you know all the characteristics have gotten to this place, and not the characteristics that are going to help them to move on to the, the next stage of their life. You know, which needs something really, really different. Uh, yeah, and you know, that's all about agility, right? Flexibility. Exactly. I, I love that point, and yeah, being comfortable with that agility and the the the, the changes, and um, I guess then you might shift to more of those those teaching roles and mentoring roles. Those kind of things might come up, mightn't mm-hmm. they? Um, yeah. or, or maybe family then becomes more important, and, and, and yep. things like that. Yep. Uh, exactly. It's, yeah, it's really interesting. Okay. Um, 
Oh, great. Uh, it's it's so cool to, to dive into just this one word that we're exploring so much. Um, now, we've already talked about how most people, I think, want to find out about how they can build resilience, can't they? We've, mm. we've talked about what resilience is, what it isn't. Um, mm -hmm. People are interested to know, well, how can I be more resilient? But mm. even actually before I ask you that, there was one other mm. thing I wanted to ask, which was, why do you think this has become such a buzzword recently? Is it all the events that have been going on in the world? I, I don't know, are there other things? So why is it that resilience seems to be talked about so much more now? And I would say uh, from a the point of view as a primary school teacher that the word resilience is, is being used a lot in, in schools as well. And I don't know if you've got any thoughts mm. on that. Mm, yeah. Uh, the, the optimistic side of me says it's a good thing. Um, there's, there's always two sides of the coin. And that is to say uh, that people are really interested in, uh, in, in psychology now, their own personal psychology, not just personal, but, you know, it's, it's psych the psychology of, uh, you know, dynamics and people and groups and, you know, how we can manage and craft to create better, healthy uh, states and that means individually, in couples and families, classrooms. And I think that's really good. And there's something mm -hmm. very aspirational about that. Like people want to manage this. They don't want to just be at the whims kind of floating through the air. They already kind of you know, want to know more about how they do that. Uh, so, you know, it's thinking about all the different ways that that can happen. So part of it, I think, comes from that. Uh, and I also think that these days people are much more interested in meaning and purpose and, you know, what's it all about and, you know, in the workplace, like how can I have meaning and purpose at work? Uh, and great, that's fantastic. And therefore, you know, connected then to resilience is that question, which is when I think about healthy resilience, I've got to think about the longer term, like where do I actually want to get to? What does my life actually want to look like? Do I want to be working 60 hours a week, uh, grinding it out and, you know, doing all these things? Or do I want to think more broadly about what my life, what I want to choose my life to look like? You know, for me personally, it's loads about my family, my kids and having the time, mm -hmm. not just the time, the psychological time as well. So, you know, when I leave my little office here, I don't stumble out the door just shattered and tired and grumpy. But, you know, I've got um, loads left in the tank to be with them and connect and have fun and laugh. Like, that's really, really important to me. So uh, that's so. When I think about resilience, it's about how to do my work and how to do my family, and both of those things uh, coexist. So that's part of it. Mm. On the flip side, I do think that people are really acknowledging that work is, you know, it's not to be doom and gloom, but there's a sort of sense that work is much more demanding these days. Uh, it's there's there's it's the, the pace is faster, the pace of change is faster, uh, and of course, you know, pandemic shows this, having to adapt to new technology, new ways of working. So. Uh, and the workplaces pull more on us to sort of give more of ourselves, like rather than just sort of like just not all workplaces, but you know it's just a bit more is needed. Where they kind of want to want more out of us. So we, we, I think people are generally looking for those tools more. Uh, in, in that, you know, as a result of their own personal burnout, the lack of well-being, work being too demanding, like how how can I manage my own uh, well-being to get through this these really tricky times and stressful times and, you know, with work demanding so much more, uh, I want to have, you know, people constantly say, I want to have some tools in my toolkit to manage this. Yeah. I, a, I, yeah. We'll come to the kind of other part of that as well, because it's not just, I personally think, resilience is not just about tools, but we'll come to that in a second.
Ah, yeah, great. Yeah, when we come to talking about building resilience. Yeah, but but thank you for mentioning those two two aspects of it. And yeah, and I guess this kind of then links back again to what we were talking about earlier of about the the balance of resilience. And that's something that I struggle with when when I think about resilience in the yeah, we can be more resilient, but if if your workplace is so demanding, and like you said, it it's definitely increased. And I think teachers, TAs, people working in schools that are listening to this podcast can appreciate that it's it's got it's it's gotten worse recently in the past six, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, the demands, the paperwork, the hoops to jump through, and so. We, I don't think we can just throw resilience as kind of like the the um, the solution to that, can we? Oh yeah, well it's it's tougher now, but you just need to be more resilient. I guess that's what I was. That that's the um, the kind of the um, what am I trying to say? The scenario that I wanted to present mm. to you as well. You know, what yeah. what are your thoughts on that? That we can't. Yeah, things are getting so much tougher now. Um, yeah. In schools is one example because you know lots of the listeners to this podcast are working in schools, um, yeah. and I think some of them might have heard that. Well, you just need to be a bit more resilient, and come on, let's let's build some resilience in the staff so that they can cope with all this work that we're throwing at them, and they can cope with the the behaviour of the pupils, which might be getting worse at their school, and cope with the parents whose maybe respect for the teachers has has um, decreased mm-hmm. in, in recent years. Like, so mm-hmm. how do we, again, how, where is that balance between yeah. going, okay, yeah, I do need to try and um, continue through this, especially at the moment when things have been difficult, you know, working mm-hmm. through a lockdown and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but where, where's that balance? I don't know. I, yeah. I know I keep kind of re- repeating myself and throwing the same question or yeah. a different variation of the same question at you. Yeah, Sam, it's, that's like um, you've, you've sort of gone to the heart of the matter there because <laughs> you're absolutely right. And this is what I was saying before, just foreshadowing, like it's not about just having a toolkit. That, that's mm. really important for sure, uh, but for 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 a number of reasons, and one is certainly saying that that's, that can be really toxic, a really toxic message for a workplace mm. to convey to employees to say, now we're going to increase the pressure. Oh, you can't cope. Well, it's down to you. You're the one who needs to cope with with these really unreasonable demands. I just it's 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 not a workable message. People don't buy into that. They see through that very clearly, uh, quickly. Uh, and then, of course, just un, unlikely to engage in anything uh, anything further. And so, mm-hmm. you know, morale typically goes down when uh, and dissatisfaction, job dissatisfaction goes up. Uh, just disengagement. Uh, um, absenteeism, presenteeism, yeah. you know, being at, at your work but not really doing it, all those things are really connected to workplaces that, that implement those kind of messages. So, and I appreciate it's really, it's not always easy, but a good resilience package is is always going to be uh, much more comprehensive and, and much more effective when it's about building a culture that supports resilience. So that's where a, a workplace uh uh, figures out ways to help people manage uh, things like uh, the job control, uh, manage mm-hmm. the job demands, th- uh, increases support, uh, manager support, super, super important. Uh, I, I did my PhD in occupational stress <laughs> many years yeah. ago. There's one thing that came out of that. It wasn't the greatest PhD. One thing <laughs> was that turns out your, your support from your manager is really important for your yeah. levels of stress and resilience. I mean, surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> But just what it points to is just that fact, just like you're saying, like these things have got to be there. And then, sure, uh, then uh, in that context, then having some additional tools, 
uh, that will no doubt be helpful for people that for the managing their own personal uh, uh, resilience uh, are going to be useful. Mm. I guess the sort of added to that, of course, is the science tells us that uh, resilience massively, overwhelmingly tells us that resilience is hugely supported for for kids, uh, for young people, for adults when it's systemic. And that, that it, the consistent message says that resilience is, bought, uh, is born through and promoted and cultivated through uh, the, the, the context in which we, we grew up in. So if you have a supportive uh, family, you've got a, a supportive wider system going on, schools, uh, a society, all those things massively contribute to resilience. So again, yeah. it's not this kind of thing, you know, in your nature that you're more resilient. It's like if you are well, lucky you for having grown up in, a, in a, an environment that supports that. You know, good for you, great. Um, but you know, this is the this is the message that's uh, that companies, uh, corporations, schools, uh, heads need to kind of remember. It's like build the system around that supports it, and then you'll get the results. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Not this kind of lone wolf. I'm, I'm out here on my own, pushing through it, and, and that's because of yeah. all this amazing work I've done on myself and I'm just so tough <laughs> I, I love that message it's, it's about community it's about support and yeah that that makes yeah. sense and I'm thinking of links to other bits of research that we've looked into like the blue zones the you know I've mentioned these on the podcast before these areas where people live really long healthy lives and one commonality they've got all around the world is that they've got a support network and surely that must be a mm -hmm. big factor in them continuing mm -hmm. um, to live long and healthy lives is that they've got people that are there to pick yep. them up when when times are tough and, and they can yeah. lean on them whether that's socially economically spiritually whatever it is yeah oh, interesting yeah. and we can really start to see now how resilience it, it's you know well-being is talked a lot about in schools and you can really see now how resilience and wh why that is being linked to well-being it seems rightly so um in the workplace um but I really appreciate you sharing that message of, well, it's, it's a culture of resilience. It's not down to the individual. It's this culture that, that we're creating. And I think anyone, I mean, I can attest to this as well. You know, having that support of a line manager, someone that I can go to and, and share things that, that that's not, um, that's not a weakness, is it? That's not showing a lack of grit or determination. That is showing a, an openness and a vulnerability. And in that way of you share something and then you can get built back up almost, can't you? And reminded mm -hmm. of what you're doing really well and pointed in the right direction. And in that way, be resilient and bounce back and kind of perform yeah. your best. Yeah, nice. It's a really good example of just that uh, flexible application of that stuff. Super mm -hmm. important. It's a good word too. I like the vulnerability piece, right? Like um, that, you know, good management of, of uh, resilience needs to have that acknowledged, right? Like it's less, less kind of rigid stone, uh, more human being who feels lots of things and, you know, finds some things tough and needs, of course, uh, connection into, a, into the wider network to help. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about that, isn't it? That that human experience and, and being yeah. open and, and sharing your stories, yeah. yeah. So... I guess then onto the, that next aspect of, of building resilience. I, I know you said it's not just about tools in the toolkit, but mm. is there an element of tools in the toolkit? You know, if, you, if you've got the culture set up and things are there to support you, but at the same time, life might throw something at you that is unexpected or it's horrific or it's, it's just really challenging. And I guess yeah. then there is some onus on you to, to have something to, to employ in pr approaches to, to use 
that can yeah. help with your resilience. I don't know if that's the right way to look at it. So, so please um, correct me if I'm wrong and, and tell me more about if there are tools in a toolkit that we can use. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, yeah, and there, there are tons of things. There's loads and loads of evidence on this. Uh, there's lots of data in terms of the kind of things that help. Um, you could probably sort of though cluster them down into maybe four main parts uh, in mm. terms of where the data is. And you know, my cards on the table. Uh, my particular interest in, in is is a type of behavioural psychology, which you know about, ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm. Uh, and not to say that's the the only way to do things. Uh, but there's a little bit of a kind of tilt that I have towards this, both because there's some really nice evidence, it's really practical and useful, uh, and, and also fits into the broader recommendations in science that says about what what are, are good skills to teach. Um, there's a real thing about with, with resilience about a, a sort of an idea of uh, that where it's important is self-esteem and self-efficacy. And self-esteem, I guess, to me is, is you know, it's a really broad con- uh, topic, but at its heart, it's like ha- helping people have a healthier relationship to their self. Uh, so, uh, and that's healthier, more, a more flexible, a more kinder, more compassionate relationship to their self. Not to, certainly not to say that it's positive or like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I shout in the mirror, I'm a fantastic, wonderful person. Everyone likes me. That's not what we're talking about. But, you know, <laughs> a balanced, reasonable approach that, uh, allows me to be kind and, and warm to myself through difficult times. Really important. Uh, this is, there's another key thing is about, uh, uh, you heard me use this phrase a few times, which is emotional agility, which could be, you know, broadly put, you know, the ability to manage strong and difficult emotions effectively. Uh, I say agility, that's a nice word, or, or could be flexibility. So again, not that I, I don't have those emotions, but when they do show up, uh, I have skills to, uh, to lean into them, to hold them, to have them, uh, not to fight with them unnecessarily, uh, that I can uh, remind myself that they are understandable, they're normal, they're human, uh, and, and also maintain a, a wider focus on, in terms of the rest of the rest of my life. So they don't, and, and, you know, the science shows that, that an approach in that way helps them not to be so overwhelming. Mm. Uh, the last couple of things is, is a, you know, self-efficacy, but the, the people talk about the sort of sense of confidence and confidence is good. Confidence is not again, like I, I'm confident in everything I can do. Confidence is that, that I, uh, my actions are guided by my broader principles, uh, and I've had uh, good experience, self-efficacy with doing this before, and I, and I have a confidence in my direction that I'm heading. It's kind of how I'd sort of break down a little bit more, uh, rather than a personality variable confidence, a sort of more behavioral sense of what we're looking for. So, you know, having a sense of what I'm about, what's important to me, my purpose, my meaning, and mm-hmm. then what actual concrete steps in that direction look like uh, becomes, becomes really important, particularly at those times when the storm hits. You know, big life storms, and then I can distill down and think to myself: in the face of the storm, like what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of what kind of steps do I want to I want to be taking uh, action towards in the midst of this? So I'm going to be a little bit more anchored and less kind of blown around in the storm. Mm. So those are the sort of the, some not the only ones. There's quite a constellation of things. But those are some of the big uh, techniques that that uh, resilience packages broadly would would uh, help people with. Uh, and uh, yeah, just help them with the, the skills and train them up on those skills. And yeah, the trainable skills, absolutely. Research yeah. shows, you know, you can sit people through a program and they will learn it. They'll benefit from it. They'll be more resilient. They'll be, their well-being will be higher. Uh, they'll have less mental health issues, problems. So, you know, that's a very hopeful and optimistic message, I would say. 
Yeah, definitely. And thank you for sharing. Um, so there's two points that I want to ask you a little bit about further, yeah. if that's okay. So the one, the, the last one that you made about having that confidence and, and like you said, when life hits you with something and then having that confidence to, well, to, I think you said like to, to think about who, who's the person that you want to be in that situation. Was that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how, how, like practically, how would one go about that? Is that sitting down and, and, and just thinking about it, is it writing it down? Is it talking to people or is it all of those things? Is it just that kind of real reflection of who do I want to be in this situation? I think I can't remember, I can't remember where this example came from. I don't know if it was even Michael Jordan in, in the um, basketball documentary on Netflix that he's in. Right. What's it called? I can't remember. The Last Dance. And I think he, he maybe mentioned something about when his father died, who was like his best friend and it was really tough for him. And he talked about that he wanted to be the, the source of support for his mum and his brothers. Um, mm-hmm. And so I get, is that kind of a, mm-hmm. a, a practical example of that where you think, like, yes, this is really hard for me. This is horrific. Mm-hmm. This is horrible. Mm-hmm. But who, what are you going to do in this situation? What kind of person do you want to do in that, be in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. That's a right. that's a really nice example. I got little mm. tingles on my skin when I heard that. Like, oh, <laughs> awesome! Like because, uh, and it can be as simple as that. Just having that mm. kind of space to pause and just take a moment and just to think. Whether it's writing down, whether it's talking to someone else, whether it's being inspired by by other people, mm. uh, and think about like, well, you know, what did Michael Jordan do? Um, <laughs> or, or or other people you look around and think you can just see them as as models or templates. Uh, and asking that question, which I really like to phrase it that way, like in this situation, what, what do I want to stand for? What, what kind of person mm-hmm. do I want to be? Because out of that drops something rather than just like something a bit sort of broad, you know, I want to be loving or I want to be strong or I, I, what does that mean? I, I get mm-hmm. it. Like I, I sort of, but like I want to kind of have a sense of what do I do? You know, how does that help me guide my, my actions? Uh, so, you know, coming back to my kids <laughs> going out the tour at school, still current in my mind. Um, <laughs> I, I sort of like those kind of small examples, though. Like, I can ask myself, yeah. like, what kind of parent do I want to be when uh, my son is losing his mind? He's sick. He's got a cold. Or he's, you know, recovering from a cold. He's tired and he's, and he's late for school. And it's those moments. Like, what kind of parent do I want to be? Yeah. I know what I don't want to be, right? But yeah. what I want to be, I want to be uh, supportive. I want to be uh, reasonably firm. Uh, and I want to be, where possible, uh, be a parent who injects a little bit of humor into into those situations because I know that always helps. Mm. Um, so th- those are the sort of the sort of the kind of ways. You know, the other kind of thing people always ask me, like, well, what if I don't know? And I, I always say, like, it's okay not to know, uh, and, and don't don't be put off if an, an answer doesn't immediately. Uh, come to mind, but I would I would just sort of sit with that question, which is the the what kind of person do you want to be? How do you want to act? Just allow it to. I love this phrase to to percolate through the day mm-hmm. or through the week or the month. Just ponder on it and watch and let it kind of uh, let it, notice how it feels and you know how it feels in your guts in certain situations. Let that be your guide. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think a big realisation that lots of people come to is that the answers are within us, aren't they? Mm. And, and it just takes a bit of silence and stillness for the answers to come to the surface. And, and like yeah. you say, just you just need to let them percolate for a little bit. Um, and, and the fact that you said, oh, it's just those small moments, those small bits of the day, but but that's life, isn't it? That That is the, the majority, the 80, 90, 95% of life is those little moments like getting yeah. the children ready or something happening at work or responding to an email, something like that. That's yeah. the, the that's, that's the real life examples, isn't it? Indeed, um, yeah. 
And I guess, so when you talk about creating space, just before I revisit the one last point that you mentioned earlier, um, so surely meditation and mindfulness plays a role in that, does it? I mean, is it that those are some really useful tools as well that, that can help you with these things? Because speaking from my own experience and I think from what other people, um, the experience that they share as well, is that, that that is the thing that once they have had a red, regular meditation practice that they feel like they've got that space to think about things and decide how they want to react in different situations. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I, I would say that's, uh, it's obviously not for everyone and, mm. and that's okay, but that it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be like this meditation is, is one way to develop that same thing. Uh, mindfulness is, is that, uh, is that same, uh, is, is another way to do it. But what you're talking about there, which I think you've captured that so well is creating that space. Uh, and for me personally, space happens when things slow down, uh, and I can start to see things more clearly. And the things that I'm usually more interested in seeing, two things, would be my mind at work, which, mm-hmm. uh, my, my, you know, if my mind is really busy, it's like it's right up close to me. And I just don't even see the influence it has over me. When I create some space, I get some observational distance on it. And also, again, then get to sort of feel and disentangle kind of what's going on, just sort of watch the, I don't know, the sort of evolution or the kaleidoscope of my emotions as they unfold over time and disentangle them and realize, oh, that's what I'm feeling or that's what I kind of feel about this situation. And then let that, those things be more influential to me rather than my mind always saying, you know, getting too busy and wrapped up and stuff. But Yeah. yeah, I find I have a pretty busy life just with family and work and what not that, that I I need to carve out that space quite deliberately. and it doesn't come naturally to me. I don't find it easy, but man, I find it whew, super beneficial. It's like, um, you know, I do it. It's, it's like, you know, on a hot day when you're really, really thirsty, you take a big thing of yeah. uh, cold, icy water. It's like, ah, oh, that's what I needed. So nice. And uh, I find it really makes a difference in my day after that. So, indeed, yeah. good point. And I would echo that. That is a, that's a similar how I feel as well. And just for those couple of minutes in the morning or at the end of the day that can, that can really make yeah. a difference, can't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then one last thing, which is going back to the, the second point you mentioned about, I can't remember the exact phrases that you used, but it was about sitting with the, the feelings, I think. Um, Oh, I can't remember what you mentioned before confidence, what the word was. Was there a specific word that you used? Um, I talked about the, the self-concept, but the sort of emotional agility or being affected right. with emotions. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps, uh, yeah, I think it was that. And so that that rang some uh, kind of alarm bells in my mind. I was just thinking about, um, you know, for myself, uh, for me over the last couple of months and what I'm sure other people have gone through as well at times. And I don't want to turn this into a therapy session or anything like that. But uh, what I'm really interested in, one aspect I'm really interested in is the, the, when those feelings come up, like they, the, the how long you sit with them, you know, post, I don't know, post a breakup or post an argument or something like that. When you're, mm going back over things in your head and it's really difficult and it's really mm. upsetting. Mm. Um, so wh- where does that flexibility lie? How, how long might I let myself just sit with that feeling? And mm-hmm. where, again, the balance, I keep using the word balance, but where's the balance for me saying, okay, but I can do something now to make myself feel better. I can go for a run, I can go for a walk and I can go and meet some friends. Mm. You know, wh- when do I decide to do that? And, and, and when do I, but, or when do I just decide to, accept that feeling and just and just let it 
wash over me and and be upset and and cry the tears and and mm. and feel that really those really strong emotions mm-hmm. um and i've gone a little bit deep there but um i hope you don't mind me putting that out there and, and getting your thoughts on that yeah for sure uh, i've got the annoying answer to that is it depends um, right, right. <laughs> but, but let me unpack that a little bit but what i mean because you uh, it's a, such a nice question it's 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 a thorny place because you can sort of sense in there. You're, I can hear a couple of things, which is one is that it's, it can be really unproductive just to sort of sit and get lost in emotion. Mm. Uh, I would caveat that to say that that typically when we are getting lost in emotion, it's sometimes it's kind of a it's a but it's also a very heady thing. You know, we're getting lost in usually rumination, like why did that happen? Why didn't I say that? Why couldn't have life worked out? Uh, or this is going to be really scary, or things are going to go really horribly, terribly wrong. So th- there is a kind of like a real strong. Uh, uh, mindy component to, to that, that place. Uh, people, what are the people like wallowing? Often people call it as if it's just sort of sitting in emotion. It's usually a bit more than that. There's a, there's a kind of a big uh, part to it. Um, and you're, as you're also saying, like, uh, things like going for a run, exercising, talking to friends are going to be enormously helpful, undoubtedly, mm-hmm. like helping mm-hmm. me to sort of, uh, wash through or allow the kind of the process to happen. And in fact, that's a really nice metaphor to use, which is that we're looking to do things that support a movement. So things that kind of get us stuck, like in a stream, stuck in eddies on the side of the river, uh, we want to be a little wary of. And that could be sitting and wallowing and eating kind of like, you know, uh, two tubs of Ben and Jerry's chocolate fudge ice cream, which is my favorite. Um, and, you know, <laughs> watching Netflix and that could be stuck in an eddy. A little bit of that's probably okay. Uh, it might be a little bit of that might be the thing that I need to do just to facilitate my, the movement of this and getting the emotions flowing again. Another mm-hmm. eddy could be exercising excessively, talking to friends too much about it, uh, just trying to distract myself. And that might not be the thing that allows this, this, uh, the, the river to keep moving through. So, uh, what are we looking for from the river moving through? So we're looking for things that facilitate that signs of that movement happening, uh, which, are uh, the emotion isn't always like either locked at 10 or locked at zero that it ebbs and flows and moves. Right. Um, and that there is movement, uh, that, uh, we're not sort of, we're not, uh, locked up on our heads with stuff. That's going to be another kind of sign we're stuck in an eddy that, you know, we're able to kind of move our attention around a bit, we're like refocus on life moving through, uh, continuing, um, you know, we're not just kind of stuck in the past or the future. But the last thing I would say, kind of another really nice sign of things moving through is just sort of how I'm able to hold the emotion. Um, and, you know, it's okay to be overwhelmed and just like, oh, I hate this stuff. This is horrible. Get it away from me. That's cool. But, you know, if I can, if we can have just a little bit more movement of holding the emotion with a bit of tenderness and kindness and, you know, saying to myself, acknowledging this is okay, you know, okay-ish, uh, this will pass. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to feel this. I've had a really horrible thing that's happened. You know, this is normal. It's okay. Other people feel this stuff. If I have just a little bit more of that stance, it's probably signs that we've got some movement kind of of the, the stream of emotion flowing. Uh, and yeah, you know, that's good indicators of, of, you know, of healthy movement. I really appreciate that. And, and this is kind of why I set up the podcast is for conversations like this and to hear, um, pieces of, of advice like that from someone mm. like yourself. So thank you. Um, I think that's really helpful. If, if not anything else, just from a personal point of view, to be honest, I like the way you talked about the, the movement, like that's a good indication. It, mm. Are we moving or, or just stuck? Because mm. it was almost like, 
the 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 one the the practical side of me wanted um, you to say you can sit with it for two minutes, set a timer and sit with it for two minutes, and then you're fine. Or set it for ten minutes, and, and that's enough. And of course, yeah. life doesn't work that way, does it? But yeah, I, I, I I think I'm trying. To, I think I'm starting to um, understand that. That right? Okay, the it's it's that movement. Um, mm. As long as you're 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 going in the right um, direction, because that's yeah. what we want, isn't it? We want to keep moving. And, and not just get stuck. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I really appreciate that. Oof, right, we're, we're coming up to, well, we've gone past 45 minutes. I, I did have a question about um, children and resilience, but um, I'm, I'm aware that, you, you know, we will be coming up to an hour soon, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. If we've got time for it, great. If not, that's completely understandable as well. Yeah? Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's yeah. Great. So that last question then um, is about, um, yeah, re- resilience in children, because uh, as I said, um, teachers, TAs, head teachers will be listening to this podcast mm-hmm. who work with children. Um, and so what are your thoughts on resilience in, in children? Like, Can this be taught and should it be taught? And how might we teach children to be more resilient? Does it look a lot like the approaches that you mentioned for adults or, or is anything else? Yeah, yeah. I, um, it's, it's a, okay. Can, well, can it be taught? Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's sort of the commas around taught, or like what exactly that means. Like, uh, you know, reflecting on our previous conversations, of course, you know, it's a toolkit plus it's a system. If that's if that's taught, yes, definitely. Research definitely suggests that. Should it be? I, 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 I'm a psychologist. I'm going to say yes. Um, <laughs> my wife was a teacher. She was a primary school teacher herself. And she would say, oh, it's... I don't have time for this. I've got so many things to do to add this kind of stuff in as well. Is uh, uh, is into the curriculum is super hard. I'm not trained to do this. It's not my job. Um, and she would say uh, that that's that's super difficult. And to me, what I hear in there, that's the system not supporting this kind of work. Uh, that if a system, i.e., a school is going to uh, teach it, assuming it's schools are leading, it doesn't have to be schools. Uh, that there needs to be a good, a thoughtful program about how it's done, and whoever's doing it needs it needs to fit in with their schedules, time, and I would say, but you know, the, the kind of things that the data says, uh, is the, your, in terms of the toolkit, it's in terms of teaching, it's helping kids who are more resilient the kids who have a sense of what's important to them, have a bit of a sense of meaning, like, you know, life's meaningful and, you know, fun and purposeful, uh, not in kind of like deep in an existential way, but, you know, in a way that sort of, uh, as kids are allowed to evolve, you know, their personalities and what's, what's meaningful to them. Um, kids who have a sense of motivation, like they, they know the thing that sparked them up. They can persist with tasks. They're interested, uh, and that's another thing that we can teach. Um, and sort of connected to that is self-efficacy, like help rewarding kids, giving them a sense of uh, of competency, creating systems that develop uh, like mastery, uh, and you know that that's through sort of appropriate. Developmental challenges that they, that they overcome them, uh, and you know they develop a bit of pride and self worth through that. And, and I'm not suggesting, of course, that that a system should set this up, but that's the, the sort of theories are. That's a lot of where resilience from from kids comes from, whether to chance or whatever. Just been exposed to smaller, more manageable doses of adversity, and they've yeah. come out the other side, and they've had people to support them with it, and they're going, ah, oh, I can manage that. That's cool. I've got it. And then they have the next one, and, and the same thing happens, and they continue to build up in that way as opposed to being landed with big, massive ones that blow them out of the water. That's obviously less helpful. 
So, you know, there's a bit of a sort of sense of helping kids, uh, exposing them to challenges and supporting them with it and building this sort of sense of their own self-efficacy and therefore self-worth. Like I can, I can cope with this. I can manage. Uh, I've got the tools um, and the system around me supports me to, to face those challenges are really important parts. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, unsurprisingly, like, of course, you know, system resilience is also really important. So the people around teachers, TAs, parents, obviously, who have their own personal resilience is really important. So, you know, we, we, we I guess where, where those folks are, have their own opportunities to build their own resilience at, at um, what's the phrase? trickles down or it impacts on on the the people they're working with young people so yeah. you know those things are, are, are super important as well yeah oh, yeah it, it sounds right to me <laughs> having having that system and having that culture i guess that kind of lesson by lesson we could we could be looking at that and, and thinking how that might look and you know one phrase that sprung to mind was desirable difficulty this is something that teachers talk about when we're offering them some kind of retrieval practice you know some kind of multiple choice quiz or something at the start of the lesson to see if they can remember what they've learned it's just got to be challenging enough so that then when yeah. they do retrieve it from their long-term memory they they feel a sense of pride and oh yeah and, and oh. that's helping them learn isn't it rather than yeah. a, a really simple quiz quiz that they could just ace and you know, right, it's, it's yeah. really obvious um yeah. so that's really interesting um sam do you, what, do, what do you what, think do you think resilience should be taught in schools what's your kind of take on it <laughs> i do yeah yeah especially after this conversation yeah <laughs> it's just it seems like i mean you, you mentioned about teachers not having your, your wife not having enough time and like where can i fit this in around maths mm. and english and science and all those things but i guess it has to be that that culture, doesn't it? So it's not this less, you know, we're not, oh, we're teaching, we've just put our math books away, let's get our resilience books mm. out. <laughs> it's not about that, is it? It's about how, how can we teach this throughout all our lessons and out in the playground as well mm. and, at, and at lunchtime. Yeah. So yeah, I do, I do think it should be taught. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've got a friend who's a professor at university and he was saying that, that he thinks some of the students that are coming through now are less resilient, that they, that, that they find things more tough and they're not perhaps as willing to work hard as we used to at university. And I, I realise that's, that's some dodgy ground, isn't it, to get on? That's really, uh, and, and I'm not taking a position at all. Um, but I thought it was interesting how I was, it, that, that he was saying that. And, and I, I wonder if that's true. I wonder where that stems from. Um, um, like I said, I'm not taking a position, but it, is it that we need to, is it that, yeah, that people are growing up and, and are, are a bit more afraid of challenges that they're faced with and they think things should be a little bit easier? Um, or is that a, a load of nonsense? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, that's, um, well, that's, uh, it's is it a con it's a controversial topic, isn't it? Because on one on one hand, and you know, I probably I think there's a bit of this. It's a classic old person thing to say. Yeah, it? yeah, 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 definitely. This the snowflake argument, which uh, yeah, yeah, to be clear, I don't agree with at all. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's typically a, 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 it's a particular demographic that subscribes to the snowflake theory. I find. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, th I I think. Um, it is, it's, a, it's a question that's best answered by research, right? Because it's yeah. so easy to look at a demographic and a group and go, these people are different. And, um, 
and you know we know that kind of there's there's that generational thing that always always happens you know just for, through millennia uh the older generation sees the younger generation as weird and weak and different and they don't understand them um but you know there are different factors i think going on speed of technology right things are going much faster these days um yeah i think probably you know certainly arguably well that is hard to argue with the last four years have been uh there's been massive significant global stresses huge ones yeah. so um if what your friend is picking up on is the uh the impact of that uh that people are a bit, a bit you know wobblier because of those sort of things sure yeah does that make them less resilient or is that make them uh uh affected <laughs> by yeah that's a good way to put it human <laughs> i don't know yeah good no no to think about yeah yeah and i completely understand and appreciate your uh your your pushback on that <laughs> definitely get him on oh, the show okay. we'll, uh, we'll have a talk with him <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i'm sure he'd be up for it yeah okay great well i think we've 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 covered so much um that that was really really um a great conversation thank you joe um for for joining me to to share your expertise and and your 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 outlook on, on all things resilience. I've got a couple of questions left, which I ask at the end of every episode. And the first one is, I'd like you to tell me your three tips to thrive. So what what three takeaways from this conversation can the audience go away and apply today? And that could be linked to what we've talked about. It could be anything else as well. But if you've got your, your three tips you could offer my audience, I'd really appreciate it. Okay. All right. Uh... Well, no particular order. Tip one is, uh, unsurprisingly, is consider a source of meaning for yourself, uh, meaning and purpose, not just pleasure. It could be pleasure, but more, I'm more interested in meaning and pleasure. And once you've considered that, like take an actual concrete step towards it within the next seven days, a small step, uh, and continue to do that. Consider and take steps. That'd be my tip number one. Uh Tip number two in thinking about resilience would be to, uh, for a moment, just sort of notice in life the places where your standards are way too high, whether it's with your work, whether it's your parenting and your relationship with your friends, uh, your standards for yourself and your expectations for yourself are really, really high. And then my my tip here is to apply the, that standard of good enough, which is a good enough teacher or a good enough friend or a good enough parent. Uh, and just allow yourself to be a bit easier and gently, gentler with yourself. And lastly, as you're doing that, also notice the standards kick back in again and freak out at the prospect of easing off a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one would be to consider like a, a, an action that's about connecting uh, with your social network, uh, uh, with, with your friends around you. It could be, you know, give someone a compliment or you know, have that difficult conversation you've been holding off. Uh, ask for a favor from a friend or offer a favor. Just one small way to just to build and strengthen your social network in a, a little way uh, and imagine that being a, a regular thing you consider doing, one thing each week. There we go. There's my top three tips. Fantastic, fantastic three tips. And, and, and number two um, makes me think um, 
about yeah a, a, a specific teaching example that that kind of what what can I do just to be good enough because I think uh, lots of teachers are striving to be outstanding all the time and have amazing lessons every single day where the huge the parents are making the parents the pupils are making huge amounts of progress and, yeah. and as we know that's just it's just not real life is it yeah, but if we yeah, can be yeah. a good enough teacher that is consistent and turning up every day and making sure the kids are happy and healthy that yeah. is what's that's the most valuable thing i think yeah yeah for sure <laughs> and so the final question is what's that one lesson you wish you had been taught when you were a child it's, it's a it's a good question it's a really deep question actually i found it really deep um but you know when i thought about it was um i wish that right person had just come back to me and said had had given me a lesson on how to express and talk about my vulnerabilities ask what i want express what i was what i was really feeling on the inside uh and for that to be okay um I guess the caveat from that would be it certainly needed to be that right person, someone I could trust and someone who would have been there for, for me to, to help me with that. But, yeah, that's something I, I really, really wish uh, I could have had uh, and something that's really important for me in parenting. Yeah. Yeah, that vulnerability piece as well I think is important and something that I think if someone asks me this question, it, it might be one of my top answers as well. The, they're kind of linked to that as well. They're not taking myself too seriously. Like just be a bit more open, be a bit, you know, laugh at yourself, not just serious, 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 head down, yeah. um, be open, share, share the feelings, good and bad. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you again. So, um, hmm. right. Before I let you go, you've, you've got to share where people can connect with you because you are active on Instagram, aren't you? And you're mm -hmm. putting out these fantastic reels, which have got little snippets of, of research and really practical tips. So I really want people listening to, to go and find you on Instagram. So where can they connect with you? Yeah. Instagram, uh, that's the place for that stuff. Uh, and we, uh, I'm sure you'll put the links up somewhere that the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, at contextual consulting, that's the, the business that I work in. Uh, we're on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube. Um, but those, those are the places and on our website too. We, uh, contextual consulting does a lot of training and therapy and supervision. Uh, and that's at contextualconsulting.co.uk. Fantastic. Right. Well, it's been a real pleasure. I've, I've, enjoyed this conversation immensely and i think it's one of those conversations where you know my my mindset has shifted in in some ways as well um and so i feel like it's taking a, a different path and i don't know if that sounds a bit over the top but i mean it's true and i'm being a bit more vulnerable perhaps by sharing that um because there are certain um things that you said that really really struck a chord with me and, and i found um, really really helpful so thank you so oh. much for your time yeah, very welcome, Sam. That's really nice to hear. And I really appreciate kind of having the space to talk and having your really nice, insightful questions. And uh, yeah, I really like the work you're doing here. So thanks so much for having me on. Cheers. Look forward to staying in touch. Bye-bye. Thank you again to my guest, Dr. Joe Oliver, for joining me in this conversation on resilience. I learned a, a great deal. Um, I was really, really pleased to have a guest on the show with such a wealth of experience and know-how around this topic of resilience. Yeah, it, it's really got me thinking, both in my personal and professional capacity, I suppose, about how resilience fits in my life and also what it means and what it doesn't mean. And thinking about some of those approaches 
that can that can help build resilience, but also thinking about the times when we need to perhaps be a bit easy on ourselves, a bit more gentle and sit with those feelings. But then be mindful of the fact that we want to keep moving, as, as Joe said, we want to keep moving forward and be aware of those other approaches that can help us to keep moving on the right path to health and happiness. If you enjoyed the conversation, please do share it with friends, family and colleagues who you think might be interested as well. If you could like the episode, if you could follow the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you listen to your podcasts um, and also rate the show, that would be fantastic and it would be a great way to show your support for this project, what I'm doing and trying to get that message out there of really effective strategies for well-being, helping us as many school staff as we can. Thank you for tuning in and I'll bring you another episode of the Teach Strong Talks. It's not the Teach Strong Talks podcast anymore. It's the Teach Strong podcast. Look forward to bringing you another episode of the Teach Strong podcast soon.